Raw and authentic is, is definitely the way to go. So these types of videos don't need to be like overly produced. You don't need to be in a super nice office. And frankly, you don't have to be that good looking either. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about everyone's favorite topic prospecting. And in fact, just before we hit record on this episode, I was talking to a client who literally sounded as if they were ready to give up on the day when it's only 8.30 in the morning because they had to start their day with prospecting. So to help us with this, we have Jason Bay, co-founder and CRO of Blissful Prospecting. Jason, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate you having me on, Chad. Uh, it's going to be a good time. So you've listened to the show, so you know kind of the drill. We always like to start with a, I don't want to call it oddball or off the wall question, but just something that helps people get to know you a little bit better. So looking back sure. over your career, is there a defining moment or an event that provided insights you continue to leverage today or perhaps change the trajectory or perspective of your career that you could share with the audience? Yeah, definitely. So I was a freshman in college about 12 years ago, and I ended up working with a company called College Works Painting. And essentially what we did was they said, Hey, here's how to go door to door, sell house painting services, all that good stuff. I ended up working with them for about six, six or seven years, became a sales director. And I left at the end of 2013 because I was like, Hey, I know how to train salespeople. I know how to do some of the marketing stuff that works well in this industry. I want to go work with other companies. So this is sort of my first venture on my own without a system that was given to me to just execute as a salesperson. <laughs> so I was really excited, just like everyone else is when they start their first business. And one of the immediate roadblocks that I had was, you know, outside of word of mouth and referrals and sort of telling everyone in my network that, hey, I'm available for hire. I want to help you grow your sales team and, you know, help with all this demand generation and all that stuff. I didn't really know how to do outbound and do the equivalent of going door to door selling consumer based, you know, services. So the first thing I started doing just because I'm a, a nerd like this is, <laughs> Hey, let's, let's find a book on how to do this. Right. And one of the first books I'm sure you're fairly familiar with is predictable revenue by Aaron Absolutely. Ross. Absolutely. So I'm like, Oh my God, I found the guy that's saying, Hey, this is this is kind of easy. You just start sending cold emails and <laughs> making cold calls and all this other stuff. I worked for Salesforce. Why wouldn't it work for me? And I started doing that. And I felt like I had this like master plan that was going to, you know, really change my life and, and give me the ability to not have to, you know, go back to the corporate world and get a job again. And I just sort of learned the hard way by failing a bunch at the beginning with, Hey, if I, just queue up a bunch of emails in a generic email template that I found online somewhere and send it out to thousands of people. Good way to make a lot of people angry. And it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a really easy way to annoy a lot of people and ruin your reputation and all that other good stuff. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm probably not giving this the attention it deserves and approaching this the right way. And really what I figured out through trial and error for a couple of years was, well, who am I reaching out to? How do I understand what they want 
And how can I sort of position how I can help them with our consulting to really start a conversation with them and actually learn a little bit more about, hey, what are they trying to accomplish? What are their challenges? What language do they use? And that's where we started Blissful Prospecting was we just noticed a lot of the B2B companies as I was connecting with were like, hey, that was a cool, you know, cold email that you sent me. Can you do that for us? Can you teach us how to do that? And that's where we just learned a lot about, well, hey, most salespeople, when it comes to prospecting, the thing we always hear is, you know, no one likes to do it and everyone knows they need to do more of it. Uh, so, <laughs> Absolutely. so that was, that was how we started Blissful Prospecting. And so talk to me a little bit more about Blissful Prospecting. Do you guys train the teams to do it or do you do it for them or both? What does that look like? So we do both. We, we call it done with you prospecting because we used to call it done for you. And people had this sort of mindset around, well, okay, they're just going to do all the prospecting for us and we'll just run the sales appointments. And it's very hard when you're doing prospecting for a company because you have to learn all about their industry. So you got to know their personas and their prospects. Oftentimes we have to know it better than them because they don't actually really know their personas and have ideal client profiles. So that's, that's tough, but for the right client, we'll do the prospecting with them. So everything up to the point of running that first meeting. So we'll set it up for their SDR or account exec or whatever it might be that's running the first meeting. And then what we've been doing a lot lately, just because people have been coming to us is working with both individual reps and sales teams on how to apply our messaging you know, methodology to figuring out, hey, do you know your prospects? Like really their sticky challenges that they're working with and how does that translate into a couple sentences in an email or what you might say in a video or your pitch in a cold call? Excellent. Yeah, it's all about, it's about understanding the person you're going after, right? Yep. And quick, powerful, succinct. So let's be real honest. So audience, you need to understand uh, how Jason and I connected. He actually used his techniques and sent me a video based email. And anybody who listens know I get a lot of, I get a lot of crap. I get a lot of crappy prospecting <laughs> stuff. And this one was spot on best use of video I've seen in a prospecting email. Hands down, it was exactly targeted towards me. It was perfectly done, well executed. Doesn't hurt that Jason's a good looking dude, uh, unlike myself. So <laughs> it, was, it was amazing to see that work. So video in prospecting is something that pe a lot of people talk about. But like you and I were talking about before we hit record, not a lot of people do it well. And so would love to hear kind of your perspective on the video prospecting side of it. What's working? Why did you, you know, why have you seen that be more effective? Are there, you know, tips and tricks that you would recommend? You know, wh how does that play into all of this for you? Definitely. And I appreciate the kind words. I've never, never said that. I, no one's ever told me I got a meeting because of my looks. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, that wasn't why you got it. <laughs> that wasn't why you got it. It just helped, right? It's not like looking at me. Like there's, yeah. <laughs> Sasquatch is not happy in email boxes. So I think a good place to start is, you know, why video? One of the things that uh, a company called the Bridge Group, if you guys haven't checked them out, they do a lot of really cool studies on SDRs and account executives. And, and most importantly, like what type of activities are these really successful companies that do outbound? Like, what are they doing? And one of the things they found in one of their studies that sort of prompted me to really think more about video was that email automation is such an easy thing to do these days. And it's so cheap to do through even a tool like Mailshake that you can pay 20 bucks a month for and, and do that sort of stuff. 
LinkedIn automation is really easy to do these days. I'm sure you get a lot of messages on LinkedIn that oh, yeah. are automated, no personalization. So what that does is it creates a lot of clutter. It creates clutter in people's email inboxes and it creates clutter in their LinkedIn inboxes. So what they looked at though, is that companies that started using video and found a way to cut through the clutter in an email by using something that's so obviously personalized that you have a a much higher success rate of getting a meeting and sales loft and HubSpot, they've done tons of studies on this stuff. And it's, they found that it's actually about three to four times more effective at, at getting a meeting. So you might convert two out of every 100 people you set up for a meeting when you do outbound to, you know, maybe six or eight or 10 by incorporating video. So video is going to help you cut through the clutter. It's a way to stick out. And in my opinion, it's, it's a lot easier to do than actually write the personalization because I can <laughs> hop on real quick, takes 45 seconds, that sort of thing. So the case for video is a really obvious one, in my opinion. In terms of how to do it, I think this broke it down into a couple parts. So the, when we use video, the timing is usually after we can see if the prospect has shown some sort of engagement. So if you're using a sales engagement platform like SalesLoft or Outreach or Mixmax or whatever you're using, typically you'll get to see if people are opening up emails. And you can sort prospects by their engagement. So for example, if I send 100 cold emails last week, what I might look at is, hey, I got a 50% open rate. And out of those 50 people that opened it, 10 of those people opened it like half a dozen times or even maybe a dozen times, which is an indicator that, hey, they might be interested in what's in there. They might be forwarding it around and let me send a video to them. So it's the video is kind of triggered based on their engagement. So that's one way to do it. So any extra time that you can spend personalizing and doing extra stuff, only do it on prospects that are showing engagement. And then the other use case for video is sort of how I reached out to you. If you have a really high value prospect, like I know there are a very limited number of sales podcasts I want to get on. So I'm willing to do a video on the very first email because I want to make a really good first impression. It works. (laughs) Yeah. So those are the two scenarios that I would use. So if you have like a list of dream clients or logos that you really, really want to work with, like it's definitely worth sending a video on the first email. So, so if we're doing more of an account-based sales approach, like this yep. is a strategic account, that's a good use case for it. Otherwise, if we're doing more of a market-based or a broader approach, then we really want to make sure we're, we're leveraging that time around people that have expressed some interest. Definitely. And so, so here's, so you said it's easier than email. Now, anytime I've tried to do video, and I, this is more about me, so than anybody else. So <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. Anytime <laughs> I've tried to do it, I'd, I'd watch the video back and I go, ah, man, I can't handle that. I, I didn't pronounce that word crisply enough. Or so that 45 seconds turns into two hours sometimes to do yeah. a video that I'm comfortable with. So what are the, you know, what are the kind of the guidelines that you would give to people if they're going to start jumping into this? Is there, you know, is, does it have to be, you know, high production, high value, you know, high impact Michael Bay type stuff or is raw and authentic okay and acceptable? Raw and authentic is, is definitely the way to go. So these types of videos don't need to be like overly produced. You don't need to be in a super nice office. And frankly, you don't have to be that good looking either. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving so, me hope. so there's hope, Chad. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So, what I always say is the, the messaging is way more important than the medium. So if you don't have something good to say, like video is not going to be your saving grace. 
But there's a couple things that you can you can do to really increase your chances of getting a response back. So I would break this into a couple of categories. We can talk about the messaging here in a second. But there's some generic things that you can do in terms of like make sure that you have a tool like Vidyard. You know, Loom is another tool that you can use. Like this actually has a workflow for you to be able to just open up your Gmail or your Outlook and then embed a video right into the email. So make it easy. The other thing that you want to make sure to do because these tools are going to embed a thumbnail into the email is I always like to take a piece of paper or a whiteboard, write the person's name on there. So I was just like, hi, Chad, exclamation mark. And I'll hold that up and wave and look and make eye contact with the camera. That's really important. And that'll capture the thumbnail that goes into the email. So when the person opens up the email, they're going to see that I'm waving at them and I have their name written down on a whiteboard. So it's very obvious that it's personalized. The reason why you want to make eye contact with the camera is that it's going to, you know, and this is really a good best practice for video calls too. It's going to feel like you're talking to the prospect instead of at them. And you really want them to feel like, oh, this person's talking to me. The other thing too, and this is a very obvious thing, but a lot of people get super serious when they're prospecting for some reason, like smile, smiling comes through in your voice. (laughs) It's like, it looks more friendly, like be very approachable. No different than if you're at a networking event or a conference, if you walk around with a huge grin on your face and, and you're smiling, you're just more approachable. People are going to want to be more open to talking to you. So those are the best practices in terms of the, the setup and sort of what to do. In terms of what to say, the framework that I follow is is pretty simple. I want to, in about 45 to 60 seconds, show that, hey, I have some sort of personalization in here. And this is the same framework for an email. I want to include my value prop, and then I want to have a call to action. So the way that I do this and, and what I say is, it might sound something like, hey, Chad, uh, Jason here, I wanted to send over a quick video to you. The reason I was reaching out actually is that I really noticed like you're really into podcasting and I particularly like this episode where you talked about this thing. And oh, by the way, I included a couple links in the email here where you might be interested in, in checking out a few interviews I was on. I was wondering if you're accepting any guests at this time. I thought we might be able to talk about you know, video prospecting and that might be valuable for your audience. Uh, let me know if that's something you want to chat with. More than happy to coordinate a time. And if not, you know, keep up the good work. You know, something like that. So I have some sort of personalization there. I showed you that I listened to your podcast or like if I'm selling sales training to someone, it might be, uh, hey, you know, listen to this recent podcast where you guys talk about the importance of closing this way. Really resonate with that approach. The reason I'm reaching out is we actually work with reps that are having challenges with getting people to open their cold emails and then respond to them. And they're wasting a lot of time writing all of these emails when they could be spending that time talking to prospects. Wasn't sure if that was a challenge that you have right now, but if it is, would love to share some ideas with you. You know, so you have that value prop and some sort of sticky challenge if, if possible in there in a couple sentences and then your call to action and then you sign off and send the video. You should be able to do that in about 45 seconds or so. So is, is 45 seconds kind of the ideal length? Have we seen any stats or results on, you know, where you start to lose people or response rates based on length of, of the video itself? Definitely. So the cool thing about a tool like Vidyard is it's going to tell you exactly how far people get when they watch your videos. Most of the videos I send, if the person watches the video, they watch almost 100% of the video. And I've noticed when it goes over 60 seconds, people tend to really kind of fade off or they don't really watch much of it at all. 
So what I see is, hey, I click play and I see this is a three minute video. I watch a couple seconds of it and that's it. Or I watch the first 45 or 60 seconds and I exit out and don't respond. So attention span is very short. It's no different than if you're sending a cold email, in my opinion, it should be three to five sentences max. Okay. Three to five. Excellent. And so that, so I want to go back to something you said, the messaging is more important than the medium. A lot of the sales people that we, you know, we all come into contact with, they didn't, you know, grow up going, Hey, I'm going to be a salesperson and master all the skills to be able to be the best salesperson in the world, which requires, you know, uh, <laughs> spelling, grammar, the idea yeah. that how to put a message together, right. The, the polished presentation to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you suggest, I mean, that three to five sentence, uh, stat, I really like that, but how do you suggest that individuals that maybe don't default to, that type of communication, whether it be written or video, either one that they may have, you know, some hesitancy towards, how do you recommend they kind of overcome that or develop a best practice so it's not as painful uh, or a barrier to them to do the prospecting that we all know is necessary to be effective? Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a couple things in that question. So I'll start with the first one around sort of the mentality of approaching prospecting in terms of understanding your prospect. And I keep talking about this because in the training that I've done, especially the one-on-one work with like an individual rep that needs help in this area is they actually really don't understand what their prospects challenges are. So when you're doing prospecting, you really shouldn't experience a lot of rejection in the form of why the heck are you reaching out to me? Like that, that is not relevant for me. Like you shouldn't be experiencing that type of rejection. You should be experiencing. Yeah. It shouldn't be that. And a lot of people get like, dude, stop even like, you know, not interested and now's not a good time. That's the type of rejection you should be getting. And you should be getting responses though. So the way that you can do this, I want to give an, like a really sticky example here, Chad. So like if we're going to look at VPs of sales, for example, and we'll just use, cause we both, uh, you know, work with sales teams, right. And, and yep. do training and that sort of stuff. If I was like, uh, and let's pretend you're a VP of sales and this could be an email or cold call or whatever. If I was like, Hey, uh, Chad, so, you know, a lot of VPs of sales like yourself are telling me that the reps are not hitting quota. I uh, wanted to know if you'd be interested in chatting. I have a few ideas for you. You know, how compelling is that versus, hey, Chad, you know, I was reaching out because a lot of VPs of sales are sharing challenges with, you know, their sales managers, like not actually spending time training their reps. And the frustrating part that they've shared is that what that's causing is, you know, reps not hitting their quotas, reps quitting. And what they are looking for is a way to easily train them that doesn't take a lot of time. I wasn't sure if that was a challenge that you're having at this time, but if it is, would love to share some ideas with you and your team. Like number two is obviously much more compelling because it's, it's sticky. It's an actual challenge in the words and verbiage they might use. It's not this generic, we're not hitting our quota or we're not as profitable as like, everyone has those like really generic general challenges. Sure. So you really need to get very, very tangible. And the way that you can do this as a rep or just with your sales team is when you're doing these discovery calls and you're really digging into their challenges, like ask them questions like, well, Hey, you mentioned that your your reps are not hitting quotas, but like, can we dig a little bit deeper? Like, what does that mean? What happens if this continues for the next six months? Like what happens? how does this affect like you? Like, or do you have any sort of external pressures or 
pressure from management to, to do this? Like what, what's going on? And you're going to be so surprised at what people say. They're going to give you all kinds of like really, really sticky things that you can use word for word in the email. So to, to kind of bring that full circle and answer your question of like people that are a little hesitant around like how to approach messaging. Well, if you really spend the, under, uh, the time to understand your prospects challenges and how they buy your products and services, the messaging actually becomes relatively simple. It's a lot of work to get all of that stuff. But that's the thing that you're going to use to connect your product or service to the prospect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. I mean, the challenge is a lot of salespeople, you can almost have to build that into like the way you approach a client or the way you approach a prospect, mm-hmm. like that capturing of, you know, what is it? What's the why? Why are they trying to solve these problems? Why are these problems important? You know, the generic things that you talk about, everybody has, but you really have to make it about uh, that individual. I saw a report from, I can't remember if it was CB, uh, about personalization and email being slightly more effective when you were specific about industry personalization over, yeah. especially in a cold one, especially you know, over, you know, just targeting it to Hey Chad, who happens to love Harley Davidson's right now. Granted, <laughs> that would get my attention, but you know, in a general sense, if, if we're showing that we understand them in the environment that they work in and have a way to get that in front of them, then we're going to be much more likely to connect human to human than we are something that's auto generated and, you know, obviously not personalized. Yep. Agree a hundred percent. And another best practice here is like when you're writing your messaging, whether that's a, you know, a talk track for a cold call or your video script or whatever, like actually go on LinkedIn and find a prospect that you would actually reach out to get that person's name and, like, Hey, I'm going to write this to Mike. He's a director of sales. I'm going to write this message to him right now. Even though I'm writing a, like a template that can be personalized and will be sent to hundreds of people. Like, let me write this to an individual. And then you have something that can scale and doesn't look like this, like one to many outreach. Cause you know, prospect needs to feel like a, a one-to-one message. But if you do this, I promise as a, as a rep, you're going to feel so much more comfortable reaching out to people because you're going to feel like you know them. It's no different than like when you go to a meetup group and like I'm really into music. If I went to a meetup group and I, I play guitar as well with a bunch of people that play guitar, like I already speak their language. I feel very comfortable going there because I could be like, Hey, dude, do I have this amplifier and you know, it's, it doesn't do all the clean sounds that I'd like. Cause I like to play blues, but I also like to play heavy stuff, rock. And, and they'd be like, yeah, they totally know what I'm talking about. You know, right. if you're reaching out to someone and you don't really know who they are, of course, that's going to feel really uncomfortable because you can't speak their language. Absolutely. And then you have to sell them something. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> holy crap, right? That's a, that's a really big ask of yourself. So uh, one last thing I would share around this too, is like, if you work at a relatively large company, you might have someone you know, if, if you're selling to marketing people, for example, see if you can interview some people at your company in the marketing department. Amen. That is one of the things I never understood. Salespeople are like, well, I don't know how to get the attention of, of a marketing professional. Well, I think I know someplace where you may have access to one. Where? Um, you guys have a marketing team. <laughs> you guys have a freaking marketing team, dude. <laughs> you know, and it, you should approach it like, hey, you should try to like prospect to them. If it's a relatively large company, you might have to like practice prospecting to them and What's the value for them? <laughs> right. You know, like really earn a meeting. But that's, you have to have these conversations. And then just talking to existing clients too is, is there another one that you can do, but you got to get beyond 
what the challenge is and like really think about, Hey, why is that important? You know, why do you, why do you use our product or service? Like where were you at before you used it and what caused you to change? You just got to get all that stuff and just get really intimate with who your prospect is. Otherwise this video stuff, it, it doesn't work. I've had a podcast before Chad. So I know like podcasters, right? I know you get hit up a lot. I know that if I include, I don't know if our, if my email sequence got to this, but I knew that if I suggest actual topics for us to talk about, that's like eliminating three quarters of the work for you. You know, <laughs> you don't have to like research me and like think about, well, what does Jason specialize? Like I'm eliminating all that work for you. I know that that's something as a podcaster that you have challenges with. I also know that you get hit up by a ton of people, you know, so just knowing those things and including in the outreach is really, really important and powerful. It was, it was very well done. I mean, I don't, uh, anybody who's, you know, spent time with me, been through my classes, knows me, knows I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon. So I'm not afraid to say when something, <laughs> when something sucks. In fact, I always love it when I'm teaching a class and I get a really crappy cold email. I, I use it in class as an example, or I get a, a cold call in class. Uh, I'll pop that up so everybody can. Hear. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So it's like, because at the end of the day, it, all it takes is slow down. Apply yourself, focus, understand the other person, stop moving so damn fast. And I think that's what yep. the vast majority of people struggle with is it's we're inundated with all of this input, you know, data from Slack to email to Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it is. Uh, and it just makes a, it's, you know, we, we're doing a lot of rapid eye blinking, trying to take it all in rather than yep. kind of really thinking about the other individuals we're trying to to connect with. So, okay. So we've talked video, we've talked email, but we all have heard the term cadence or sequence, depending on whether you're using outreach or sales loft or inside sales or whatever. What have you found from a sequence or cadence standpoint that has a tendency to make them more effective? Is it something along the lines of using multiple channels? So video in an email versus a phone call versus a social engagement versus maybe snail mail or a direct mail piece. What have you found to be the most effective or is it better to just stay in one channel and just shoot out video and email? So this is a really great question. And this is the part, unfortunately, that changes like all the time. All the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think that like the best way to approach this is to really look at Hey, I'm going to need to test whatever is recommended. And these tools allow you to do that and actually get data and just go with what works for you. But there's some, uh, some guidelines and insidesales.com had a really good, it was like an ebook called the definitive guide to cadence. And most of the stuff, they said it was like 105 or 107 activities per day that they were some, trying something like, I can, I can, I know which one you're talking about. I can remember, I can see the chart down the side of the page. Yeah, there was, they had that, they had activities, and then they also talked about what they learned from analyzing. I think it was 47,000 outbound cadences with like 400,000 activities or something like that. Some, some crazy big number. But the, the way to approach this first is, is multi-channel is definitely more effective than single channel. So if you're just sending an email and you're not coupling that with phone, um, you're missing out on, what they uh, mentioned that we, we know something very similar. Uh, it's about two and a half more times success rate if you're using two channels instead of one. So if you're getting like a 2% conversion, 1% conversion into meetings off your cold emails, like if you just couple that with phone, you're going to get like four or 5% conversion rate. And the reason for that is that it's not that people are going to be picking up the phone a lot. You don't know like the prospect and what their preferred method of communication is. Social is really big too today as well. So I, I recommend. Like if you're going to do anything, I 
I do email and phone first, and then I throw social in there too. So if you're not at least doing multi-channel, you're missing out a ton there. In terms of a number of touches, the sweet spot that they recommend, and I've, I recommend something just a little bit like longer in my experience, but most of their cadences are three weeks long. And I think that's a little too short to jam in you know, 12 activities. Right. And it depends on who you're reaching out to because you don't want to come off as really desperate. And if you're reaching out to a really busy person, like a C-level type, I, I just, I don't know. And it depends on what you're selling. It's just, a, that's a lot of activity in three weeks. So typically what we recommend is spreading the cadence out over 30 to 45 days. And you're going to want to do at least 10 to 12 touches over those 30 to 45 days. And what that might look like is five to six touches via email, three touches via phone. So calling if you can get a hold of the person or obviously leaving a voicemail if not, and then using two to three touches over social. That's sort of the generic formula that I found is a good starting place. And then you can look at your personas and it might change, you know, and, and one of the things is if the persona type is you know, maybe a very technical person, engineering, like that sort of thing that is in front of their computer all the time, they might be way more receptive to email. But in my experience, a lot of these technical people don't like social. Right. You know, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on LinkedIn versus if I'm reaching out to people in marketing and sales, I know that these people typically are on the phone a lot, especially salespeople. So phone is going to be an easier way to maybe catch these people. <laughs> uh, there's also a generational thing too, where a lot of the studies that these, you know, sales engagement platforms uh, have shown is that, hey, people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s are, you know, they kind of prefer phone, you know, and that's not true for everyone, but like, most of them prefer phone over email, you know, and then younger people, not so much on the phone in their twenties and thirties. Right. And again, that's just what they saw in a study. Not that doesn't fit for everyone, but point being, you got to try this stuff. And if you're not doing at least email and phone, you might be missing out on people that just don't respond to cold emails, but they'll right. pick up the phone or vice versa. So that's how I would approach cadences. Love it. I love it. All right. Let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a CRO, as an executive, that makes you a prospect for, for other salespeople. Yeah. And I always like to understand if somebody doesn't have a relationship uh, with you, doesn't have a referral in, what for you personally has the best impact of capturing your attention and helping someone earn the right to get 15 to 20 minutes on their calendar? Really, it's empathy. So is it really clear in the email copy or the video that they send or whatever it is that this person understands us? So what I cannot stand is like in LinkedIn, we mark ourselves as marketing and advertising. Like that's the category. So when someone sends me an email for marketing agencies, I'm like, well, we're not a marketing agency. I guess we're kind of a prospecting agency and we do training. But right there, that's an indicator that this person's just using a lot of merge tags and they don't really... They didn't take the time to understand like what we actually do. Right. So if the person is very clearly shown in a sentence or two that they've connected their product or service and there's an actual like reason why they see us potentially getting value from it, that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me. The other thing too is if they have done any type of personalization at all. So like, honestly, even if it was, hey, I noticed you went to Oregon State University, so did I, like some sort of indicator. I don't know about you. I just hardly any of the emails, maybe 1% of the cold emails I get have any personalization in them outside of like first name and company merge tag. So 
any of that type honestly sticks out to me. And then what is even more compelling is, like I said, when the person has taken the time to actually connect their product or service to a challenge that we might be experiencing in our company. Excellent. Know who you're going after. Make it personalized. <laughs> Do your homework. It's pretty right, basic la- stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's amazing yeah. to me. It, I mean... It's basic, but what, maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I'm jaded because you and I work in the same spaces. The organizations that excel are the ones that double down on the foundational basic stuff in a market where today they can be so easily distracted by shiny objects or some new tool that promises to be a silver bullet and it's not. Right. Yep. The basics and the foundational methodologies and the approaches that we know have worked for years are actually working better now. Uh, even more effective now because of the noise that we see in the market. And so the basic, it, you know, Hey, I'm a big believer in, you know, keep it simple and go back to, you know, go back to basics. So, yep. all right, last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales or marketing professionals, one piece of advice, assuming they listened that you believe would help them hit their targets or exceed them. What would it be and why? Don't treat prospects equally. So you you need to <laughs> do this in two ways. So <laughs> uh, I'm writing that guess, down. Yeah. So you need to do this in two ways. So the first way is you should have some sort of way you prioritize accounts that you're going after. You could call it A accounts, B accounts, C, etc. You need some sort of hey, these are the like hundred companies that if we worked with them, these are like the logos. These are the Fortune one thousands or whatever your dream clients. And then your B ones are more of the ones you can do a volume play with. You as a sales organization or as a salesperson have very limited time and approaching it in terms of how can I, you know, what is the 80% of things that I can do to like really are 20%, excuse me, of things that I can do to really drive 80% of my results. So part of that is, Hey, I'm only going to spend a lot of extra time personalizing stuff if it's at a dream account. And then the other part to that is, only doing the extra effort on personalization and the extra activities to people that are actually engaging with what you're doing. And a great way to, this is why I like starting out cadences with emails, a couple of emails if possible is I'm only going to really call the people that open up my emails. Cause ideally you should have at least a 50 plus percent open rate and you should keep AB testing your subject headings in, until you get 50 plus percent. A lot of times our, our clients, like they'll have like 65, 70% open rate. Like you just got to keep AB testing. But what you're going to find, like I mentioned earlier, is that there's going to be like 10, 15, 20% of those people that open the emails a ton, but they don't respond to them. Those are the people I'm going to call because the cold call at that point is more of like a warm call. It's like, right. you know, Hey Chad, this is Jason with blissful prospecting. Does, does that sound familiar? And they might say, no, uh, why are you calling? Or they might say, oh yeah, I got your email. Now you have like an in and there's at least some sort of familiarity there. Right. And if I'm going to especially take the time to send a video, I'm not going to send it to everyone unless they fit that dream client profile. But I'm going to spend that extra time because again, as a, as a rep, as a sales team, you have very limited resources and you only have a certain amount of time that you can do this type of stuff. So why not spend the extra effort on people that are actually engaging with what you're sending them? I love it. I love it. Great advice. Great advice. All right, Jason, if a listener is interested in talking more about this or learning more about Blissful Prospecting, do you prefer they hit you on LinkedIn? Is there a special place you want them to go on the website? Where should we send them? Yeah. So there's a couple places. The first one I would go to, we actually created a definitive guide to video prospecting. 
And you can get that at blissfulprospecting.com slash Chad. So I just created a special link for you guys. And what that's going to have is what tool you should use, what you should say, and then sort of all the things outlined that we talked about today in something you can read in like five or 10 minutes. So I definitely recommend checking that out. And then just go to our website from there. There's tons of free resources. We have a newsletter. We have another guide on cold email using something that we came up with called the reply method. Um, you're just going to get a really good feel for kind of the stuff that's out there that's like free. And you can decide, hey, do I resonate with this <laughs> or not? And if you do, um, you know, we might be able to help you guys out. Perfect. Jason, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Appreciate you having me on, Chad. All right, everybody. That does it for this episode. You know the drill. B2BRevExec.com. Share with friends, family, coworkers. Drop us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we have Value Selling Associates wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.